Let's do it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sickle Soul Podcast. It's me, Stephen, again, here with my co-host, Cassandra. And hey. you know, like I always like to say, we have a special guest for you guys today. Yes. You guys are going to really, really hear a very inspiring story. And I'm really pumped. I'm excited to hear all about the story about Braden specifically, but we get to hear from Braden's mom. So let's take it away. So Brenda, thanks for coming on the Sickle Soul Podcast today. Before we get started, you know, for you to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, on this, this part of the podcast is something we call why sickle cell, right? So everybody has this sickle cell story. So I just want to ask you, why sickle cell? Why is sickle cell so important to you? I am so excited to be a part of this. So thank you for having me. Um, why sickle cell? Actually, it's because of my son, Brayden. That was the initial reason for being a part of this sickle cell family. Uh, he was, Once he was diagnosed, we were we were there. We were in that life. We were on that journey with him. And so at that moment, because we we love him dearly, we love all of our children, but we love him dearly. And we wanted to make sure that he had the best life possible. So we had to embrace this diagnosis and then do the best we could to be able to ensure that he had the a greatest chance of having a as normal as possible life with this. So he's my why. Nice, nice. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's so powerful, right? Um, to hear that, you know, your son is the reason why you are in this space. And I love the work you guys continue to do for him. But thanks for sharing your why. Tell us about yourself and tell us more about Brayden. And he sounds like he's the reason why you do what you do. So tell us what's life like for for Brayden and Brenda and Patrick and the rest of your kids. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, my husband, Patrick, and I, we are the proud parents of three children. We have, and I always call them my old babies. We have two older girls, Ebony and Brianna. And then we have Brayden, who is now 14 years old. You know, what it's like living it. I mean, even from the very beginning, once we were all learning about you know, how we can keep him safe, how we can keep him healthy. We had to find a balance to where all of our kids were getting the attention that they 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 needed yeah. um, to become productive citizens in this world. So that was a challenge in itself, but it, it was a blessing also that we have a huge support system, a huge family on both sides. So we were able, even through all this, we were able to have all of the su- support we needed, even during the numerous hospitalizations, you know, we had a support system that made sure the girls got what they needed um, while we were caring for Brayden. So he he's a, he's an amazing kid. He loves all sports, specifically football, baseball, and basketball, where he knows all the stats. Sounds like he, someone I know. That's Stephen right there. I have a strong feeling. Um, Braden is a Carolina Panthers fan. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> well, he is, and it was quite hard since Cam Newton has moved on to the Patriots. So he, he struggled with that part a little bit, but he's still a diehard Panthers fan, and we're gonna give Teddy a, a, a chance. <laughs> yeah. Hey, tell Braden he can always come support my Giants if he ever wants to. Oh, he might can have a good conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell already. 
I can tell already. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, you know, you sharing your story. One thing I really love what you said was, you know, you have a son, of course, who has single cell, but he has these two amazing sisters, right? So he, you know, everybody's single cell story is different. But I'm curious, you know, before you guys had kids, did you know your genetic status or your single cell status before having um, the children? I absolutely did not. And I did not. And um, I wasn't aware of my husband's status either. I mean, we checked all the other blocks as far as, you know, making sure we were financially okay and prepared to have children and raise and protect, you know, all the other illnesses. We checked Mm -hmm. those boxes, but genetics, no, I had no idea. I want to follow up with that question and ask you, as a parent or you and Patrick as parents, when did you guys realize that this disease was going to have um, an impact on you and your son's life? Well, you know, after his diagnosis, I knew, you know, I immediately started looking it up on the Internet to see what it really was, because I I knew of people who had it, but I didn't know the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't good. I didn't think it was good. And once we started learning more and we had him, we tried to take care of him. But it wasn't really until his first hospitalization that it really struck home. You know, he had a fever and it required us to stay in the hospital for a few days before he could be left home. And it was like, this is real. So, I, you know, we had to immediately learn what can we do to be sure that we can decrease the number of hospitalization. And, you know, that came, that happened over time when we had to learn as much as we, we could because some were unavoidable. But yeah, I would say that first hospitalization, it was real. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, you know, even as something as little to some of us as fever can be very huge in sickle cell. And one thing that you said is, you know, when this whole thing started is doing research on the Internet, right, which we all do. And that's the beauty of the Internet. But from that research, you and Patrick started doing. What was that thing that you found out about sickle cell that was like surprising to you when you started doing that research online? Well, once I started doing the research and like the fever, 101, it's an emergency. Even if he looked great, it's an emergency. And there was one time he he had the fever, but he was playing and laughing. And I was like, well, maybe we can wait. And that wasn't the best thing because he was nine months and by the time we took him to his pediatricians, like, okay, the fever won't go away. Now he's looking a little lethargic. She immediately said he needs to be hospitalized. And he said, she said, you can never wait. You can't wait. So once he was sent to the hospital, he was diagnosed with pneumonia and had to go to pick you. Wow. Yes. And so with all of our research, we realized that the information that his pediatrician was telling us, the hematologist was telling us about, you know, the precautions, you know, what point to take him to the hospital, that even a, a runny nose means something. We and that we can't wait and that it progresses and gets fast quickly. I learned that. And that was the last time I waited. And like I said, once um his pediatrician really told me in the office, in right in my face, don't ever wait. And she was really passionate. And she explained later on that she'd lost a patient before with sickle cell. 
and she wasn't about to let it happen again. So we have to react to each warning sign that his body is giving us so that we can prevent the need for it to get worse. Definitely. So I have a mother who would do anything for me. Um, You know, she was not afraid to tell any doctor off or any nurse off or like, you know, oversee my treatment. She's a real advocate. She educated me on sickle cell disease. She didn't quite sugarcoat it. Maybe sometimes I wish she did, but <laughs> I understood the the realities of the disease pretty early. When did you realize you needed to become an advocate for Braden? Oh, wow. It was really early on. Whenever I, you know, would tell, we would tell someone that he has sickle cells, like, oh, what is that? Whether it be coworkers or I have to explain to my supervisor why I can't come in. It's like, what is sickle cell? And, you know, even with some ER visits, some of the emergency room doctors weren't quite sure how to handle his condition. And again, you know, it's a blessing that we do have a very supportive and involved hematologist because, you know, she's right there. So they were able to communicate with her, but then it was a lot of explanations of why, you know, why we bought him or, and then, through all that of people not knowing, I knew we had to do something more in spreading awareness and to let people know how important it is for them to know and to let them know how they can support, how they can help. And I know you mentioned about your mom being a, a strong uh, advocate and didn't mind speaking up. And you know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm blessed with my husband, Patrick. He's from Brooklyn. And I'm the more, you know, I hate conflict and, you know, early on, you know, I'm the nice one. I cuddle and I kiss. He would take Brayden to the, what we call the ouch room whenever we would go to the ERs. But I would be the one that, you know, they would put him in my arms to comfort and love. That was the role. So he was the one that actually was able to be more firm when it came down to doctors or nurses, need be, when need be. And over time, over the years, I've learned that I had to be a stronger advocate for him. And, you know, even with that time of just because we know our children and over the years, I've, I've learned so much about him and I could just look in his eyes when I know something is wrong. Mm. That, that's very real, that, that simple I won't say one word and I'll enter the room and my mom will be like, what's wrong or what's going on? You're in pain. And it's just like, how do you know? Like, I can't mask that. You know, I think I'm good at masking pain, but I guess mothers have some sort of intuition on, on that type of thing. Oh, we could tell the looking (laughs) eyes and tell. Yeah. And you know what they always say? Mothers know best, right? We do. Absolutely. (laughs) I can't can't argue that. Um, You know, one of the things that you said that really caught my attention is, you know, you talked about early stages. A lot of people still don't know about the disease, but when you start becoming an advocate, it's like now you're taking on double duty. Like even if it's at work, you start telling people, hey, my kid has sickle cell. What is sickle cell? And now you have to educate them, right? You have to find the right resources for them. Um, And also for yourself to watch, still trying to learn more about the disease state too. So I want to ask you, you know, during those times and when you guys are looking stuff up or researching for resources, even for yourself and even for others, 
How was that like? And, and how challenging was it coming across like good quality educational resources for yourself, your family, and even for the people you were um, teaching and advocating to? Right. That was very important. And, you know, there's so many documentation. And then then we had to make sure that we when we did research, it was something that, you know, different people can understand. Now, I'm an engineer, a scientist by by trade, so I can dig into some numbers and some stats and read some white papers. But when it came down to just being able to explain to my sisters or to my parents or to other people in the community, you just had to find, you know, different documentations or presentations or videos to help communicate that that information, even sharing with his teachers from preschool up to, through elementary school, middle school, now high school. Of course, there are more resources, but we were also able to reach out to different organizations um, like Sickle Cell 101 yeah. um, that provided a lot of content and information that was readily available to share. And the National Sickle Cell Disease Association, we were able to reach out to get information from there. And if I did have questions about a researcher or anything, I could talk to his hematologist and ask questions during his appointments. And I understand that's not something that everybody has. But again, that was a blessing that we had to be able to ask questions. And I had to learn that it was okay to ask questions even of a doctor. And because I needed to understand and, you know, to ask it in a manner like, look, I'm not questioning your 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 credentials or anything. But as a mother, I need to know what this means for my son. And so over the years, I was, you know, if something didn't make sense to me, I knew I can ask questions. And the authority that I had was the fact that I'm the mother or my husband was the father and that, you know, we were responsible to making sure that Brayden lived the best life that he could. So I love that. I mean, I think that's so refreshing. You know, you talked about asking questions, right? Um, as healthcare providers, I've said this numerous, numerous times, you know, sometimes we get in this habit of thinking we know it all. And, and especially in civil so I always like to remind people in, in the healthcare space that we don't. And sometimes if you want to get the best care, for the patient and for the family, you have to listen. Because like you said, the mother knows the kid more than more than you, the doctor, you think you know. So it's it's really nice and refreshing to hear you say that. You know, you are not never shy of asking those questions. And, and I really hope, you know, we can keep having that conversation where we help parents and families and, and support systems get comfortable asking these questions, especially to the healthcare providers that are uh, caring for our children or our family members with, with this disease and even outside sales as well. So, Brenda, you talked about educating yourself and, and getting resources that you need and talking with your doctor. How did that trickle down to your son and how what was your approach in educating your son about his health? Were you kind of upfront about everything or did you kind of tell him things on a, a need to know basis? What tips did you have and how did you educate him? That was something I had to work with because initially I wanted to protect him. Mm-hmm. And then for me, myself as a mother, you know, I think and I can speak on behalf of Patrick as well. Initially, you know, we we didn't share a lot about his diagnosis. We didn't share a whole lot in the beginning because I could say that I felt guilty. Like I caused this for my son, mm-hmm. that I wasn't aware of this could happen to him. 
And so it's like that kind of made me more protective of him and wanted him to be happy and chipper. But then I realized that's not going to help him. So I began to just even working with his pediatrician, you know, because he did not like giving blood or getting blood work done, you know, so it's like always a, a bad event going to the doctor's office. So she even started scheduling. So just bring him by and let us give him a, a lollipop or a toy um, to kind of transition him to know that, yeah, you go to these doctor's appointments to get stuck, but sometimes you go because they're trying to help you and want you to be happy. You know, early on, we taught him that way. But then I started explaining to him, I had to because he loves sports and wanted to do things. And we want, still wanted him to play t-ball and things like that. But I had to explain to him, say, you know, buddy, you have to drink and you have sickle cell disease. You're amazing, you know, but you can do whatever you want. But we just have to make sure that you have to drink and you have to take a break when you're tired. And it's OK to stop and then start back. So we started off with, you know, bits of information. And once he was getting a little older after 10, I realized that he needed to learn no more. So we get, began talking to, okay, he has a lot of specialists. And I know you guys, that comes with a sickle cell patient. So we started talking, okay, who's Dr. Brown? You know, it's like, oh, that's my pulmonologist. So we, we started educating him on his different physicians and specialists to let them know why, how they're trying to help him. And then now that he's older and we, we are beginning the transition process into out of pediatrics into adult care. Um, we're starting it early with his doctors. We're being more frank with him and not trying to terrify or scare him, but to prepare him right. so that, you know, so that piece is scary for me, but it's a necessity. And, you know, and mama's not guaranteed to always be, be here. So he needs to know how to advocate for himself. And I encourage him, you know, even with the nonprofit, him, his involvement, uh, how people are amazed by his resilience and his strength. You know, I remind him of that. And I'll, I'm okay when people tell him that. So that can motivate him and encourage him to advocate for himself and advocate and help others. So, yeah, it's a process, but it's a continue, continuous process. It's day in and day out. It is. Yeah, my mom always said, I'm not always going to be around too, so you need to take care of yourself. And so I had to learn pretty quickly, you know, how to articulate my pain and and whatnot. Um, I wanted to go back to something you said. You mentioned feeling guilt in, in terms of, you know, just his diagnosis. We had a, a previous conversation where you talked about learning about your genotype. Could you kind of outline what that experience was like and finding out? Because um, I'm not sure if you mentioned this earlier or not, but uh, Brayden has SC disease. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, once Brayden was diagnosed at birth, so he was, you know, four weeks early, you know, that I was nervous about that. But then about two months after, you know, we were home, we got a call and said he had sickle cell disease. And I told the doctor, there's no way. There's no way. I don't have the trait. My husband doesn't have the, you know, I said, I don't have the disease. My husband doesn't have the disease. Yeah. And then once I talked to my husband and then we found out, 
that he had the trait. And then I still didn't understand because my parents said I didn't have the trait. So because when they did the lab work, they said, well, you have to have had hemoglobin C because he has sickle cell SC disease. So I had a hematologist at the time because I have a blood clotting disorder. And so the information was there in that work. And he was able to confirm to me because I was the one that wanted proof. Um, he said, yes, you do have an abnormal hemoglobin C. So that is another way of having a child with sickle cell disease. Um, so that's how we knew it was all a shock and a surprise. And immediately, you know, we had to learn as much as we could. So that's one of the areas we promote as well. We, you have to know your genotype. You, we need to know. And, and I've spoken to Braden about that, too that, you know, he has to share that information as well. Yeah, I mean, that that communication and that information, I think it's really underutilized in, in our community. And, and it's not our fault. It's partly because, you know, a lot of people do not know. And so, you know, groups like you guys, um, I really have a tremendous amount of respect. And, and, and I'm grateful that you guys are able to really help educate people about the importance of at least knowing their trade status and, all the different variants, right? And right. You know, really understanding that, you know, you might be walking around just fine, but we, we never got tested. A lot of people didn't get tested. So it's important to always go back to that drawing board and really understand that. And, and I'm glad that that's something that you guys really speak to. An announcement from Bluebird Bio. Check out a new website to learn how you can advocate for better sickle cell care. In partnership with leading patient advocacy organizations, Bluebird Bio has launched SparkSickleCellChange.com. This website is meant to serve as a tool to improve the overall understanding of sickle cell diseases and to help empower people to be even more future-focused regarding their care and the care of loved ones. SparkSickleCellChange.com aims to highlight the impact of sickle cell on individuals living with sickle cell disease, their families, and society by amplifying the voices and stories of those impacted by the disease. We at Sickle Cell 101 had the absolute pleasure of working on this platform. I love it. I think you'll love it too. There are real individuals sharing real stories. There's education, resources, and more. So take some time to check out SparkSickleCellChange.com to learn more and sign up to be the spark for change in sickle cell. We as a community put such an emphasis on sickle cell trait and trait testing. And, you know, there are some tests that are designed to really only pick up sickle cell trait and not any of the other, you know, hemoglobinopathies that are out there. Right. So um, that's how people get surprised. You know, you, you don't just test for sickle cell trait. You test for C trait, D trait, you know, thalassemia, all of that, um, because those combined with sickle cell trait can cause sickle cell disease. So I just wanted to add that small bit to this. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I'm glad you, one thing you also said was, you know, really reminding uh, I'm braiding about, you know, how resilient he is and how inspiring he is, but also letting him um, 
um, be an advocate and even providing that education to other people to learn more about that um, through your organization. So I'm, I'm going to ask a follow-up regarding the organization. I know you guys do a lot of amazing work in the Sigoso community. So tell us a little bit more about your organization and what you guys do. Okay. So after years of learning and building a relationship with our local children's hospital, working with the local uh, foundation for the hospital, and even amongst there, the the discussion as far as sickle cell wasn't always prevalent. And then I started meeting more people with sickle cell and I'm like, wow. And these were adults. And I'm like, wow, why haven't I heard your story before? And mm-hmm. so, you know, and then reaching out to our local sickle cell uh, group here, trying to find out more, I then realized that it was okay for us to do our own thing or do our part in helping to spread awareness. So in 2017, you know, I've been talking about it for years and my friends were like, for years, do it, do it. So finally we started it in 2017. So we're a 501c3 organization and nonprofit and we want to spread awareness in our community of sickle cell disease. And I know my ultimate goal is to have everybody in the state of South Carolina to know one fact about sickle cell disease, you know, if someone were to ask them. But along with that, we have some initiatives, very important initiatives to that is a part of our mission. And one um, initiative is to uh, encourage people, especially in the black community to donate blood, okay? That's also personal to us because in 2015, and I'm hope it's okay for me to share this, but in 2015, we were at the University of South Carolina baseball game, college baseball game, because Braden loved baseball, and with some friends, and by the, um, almost the end of the game, I looked at him, he came back and sat with me, and I said, buddy, are you okay? Because I looked at him. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. And that's his response all the time. Yeah. I'm good or I'm fine. I'm okay. When you know he's not. Yeah. So I looked at him and I knew he wasn't. So early the next morning, we had to rush him to the ER because he had some chest pains. And, you know, Eventually, they, you know, did the work and sent him back home. And I was okay with that only because we had another appointment the next day at the hospital. So when he got back, he was in more pain. So in 48 hours, our baby was in PICU with acute chest syndrome. That quick. Yeah. From the x-ray that Saturday being basically clear and normal to that Tuesday, a hundred percent of his left lung was full of pneumonia and 80% of his right lung. And he was struggling to breathe. So he had acute chest and I'm sorry, this is in 2015. But it takes me back every time I share it. Yeah. He needed help to breathe. And at that time I really, didn't know about because he was close to having a blood transfusion maybe a few years before, mm-hmm. but this time he needed he needed blood to allow his body time to recover. Take your time. I'm sorry. And just sitting there and watching someone else's blood go into my son's body 
I was like, okay, whoever this person is or these people are, I am so grateful yeah. that it's there. And, you know, even at that time, you know, when they told me he needed, they were doing cross matches, he needed blood. And I was like, okay, so when can we do it? I didn't question whether or not the blood was even available. I just assumed it was. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to get the transfusion. And I think he was, he was in PICU maybe a total of eight days. And of course he's fine today and he made it out. But, um, I was told that he was really sick at one point, you know, I was like, you know, my, I would stay at the hospital. My husband would come home and come back the next day. And I was like, well, let's just wait till he get back. And they were like, mom, he's sick. So that was the first time that we were faced with the possibility of losing our child. Yeah. And the validation of, and the dedication to making sure we donate blood and we encourage everybody we cross paths with to donate blood because even, and then I was looking more into that. And then I found out that there were other children who needed blood transfusions, children and adults every two weeks. Yeah. And so, and in Braden's case, it was life-saving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were, t we constantly are telling people, you know, sign up to donate blood, even if you're scared of needles. And I don't know if you guys have seen our videos where we're answering questions and things like that and just encouraging everybody. So the first year we start, we had a birthday bash and blood drive, you know, in March. Braden's birthday is March 7th. So every March we have a birthday bash and blood drive. That's going to be our future. COVID tried to steal it this year. We had to cancel the birthday bash, but we still have the blood drive. Yeah. And so the first year we had one blood drive. Last year we had two. This year our goal was three and we're planning our third blood drive. Um, well, it's scheduled for the 19th of September in Sickle Cell Awareness Month. But we are not only encouraging people to just donate blood, but to be regular blood donors. And it's because, number one, it touched us you know, it touched us. And we're so grateful to all blood donors because, because of them and their selfish, selflessness, um, we're able to hug our son again. And then there are other people who are able to hug their husbands or their daughters or, you know, their wives, you know, who receive blood transfusions or exchanges on a regular basis. So, yeah, as long as I have breath in my body, I'm going to encourage everybody I cross paths with to donate blood. I think that is so powerful, especially I think one thing that you said when we started having this side of the conversation was talking about our community, right, and why that is so important. And I'll give a quick refresher. I think a lot of people forget about, you know, when people are getting blood donations, you have to type the blood and, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these different variants, right? And and unfortunately, in our community, when you look at the numbers, it's not that great compared to um, other communities. And then that puts other people at risk. So one thing you said was, life-saving blood donation and i'm glad you guys are able to promote that and encourage more people to do it and you know one of our goals to, is to also you know keep promoting that and also letting people be aware of even the importance of it right to your point you know when you guys are doing these blood drives a lot of people sometimes they don't even get why they need to do it and and hearing stories like you guys' story and how that is life-saving absolutely and i i can personally say that, you know, a blood transfusion or two or three have saved my life. So it really is something. And I think um, for, for those who donate, you 
you all don't ever get to see who's on the other end of your donation. So it's it's people like me and Brayden who, you know, we, we come into the hospital very sick and we, we make it out because of, you know, simply because you donated blood. So I, I am very, very thankful and I'm, I'm thankful for the work that you all are doing with, you know, blood donation. It's very important, especially African-American blood donors. We need them more so than anybody because they're more compatible. And switching gears, I, I want to ask you, what is something only sickle cell could have taught you? Um, sickle cell taught me how amazing sickle cell warriors are, how resilient they are. It taught me how to be more empathetic. Mm. I don't think I was a horrible person before Brayden. But and then, you know, we try to raise our our daughters to be good people. But him having sickle cell opened my eyes to so many other different things, how the healthcare system can be so cruel to those with sickle cell disease, how it could be so exhaustive to make sure that you know, you're getting the right care for your child or you're getting the right funding for to be able to spread awareness. But it allowed me to see, we don't know everybody's story, but everybody has a story. Like, you know, once I realized that, you know, people would say when they see Brain, oh, he looks fine or he looks good. And we could have been all up all night with him the night before. Yeah. Came. And so, you know, sometimes you would look at people and say, you don't know my story. So now that I meet other people, whether they have sickle cell or some other chronic illness or some other tragedy that's going on in their lives, I try to listen yeah. um, and be, you know, you can't really walk in everybody else's shoes, but at least try. Yeah. So I know that was a long part, but it's, it taught me, it really taught me to be a better person. Wow. One thing that you said is, which is so true, is how the healthcare system can be so unfair, right? First, to the Black community, let's just face it. And even I always tell people, it's like sickle cell warriors, they get a double dose. Oh, especially if you're Black and you have sickle cell. And so, you know, to your point, this disease, um, it being a learning experience for you and your family, um, also kind of also shows you, like you said, how resilient your son is and how that has said, you know, to your point, you said has taught you to be a better person. And and I'm glad and grateful for you sharing that. And and for me personally, one of my goals, and Cass knows as I always say, each one teach one, my goal is to really make sure that the healthcare community, we do a better job of caring for people with sickle cell disease and, and, and more, and, and even not just sickle cell. So I'm glad you shared that. Um, one thing that I think, you know, has been a common theme here, here in your story and you and Patrick's and your family is, you know, how lucky your son is to have someone like you. I'll share a quick story. So last week I have a sister who was sick also who had an emergency as well. And, and, you know, you talked about some of those things and those things can be scary. But you as a parent, you know, you guys always know it firsthand. You know when they're not well, even when they think they're not well. And that's what my mom did. But I want to hear from you. What advice do you want to give to parents um, who have children with sickle cell disease? And I want to break this, actually, and have a full conversation here. First, what advice do you give them as far as um, handling, learning more about caring for their children who have sickle cell disease? Well, 
find out and learn as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Braden's pediatrician encouraged me to do was document. And I think I took the documentation overboard because I started, <laughs> started document like I have notebooks or ta- spiral tablets that where I recorded his body temperature, mm-hmm. especially when he was on penicillin the first five years of his life. Every day I recorded his his body temperature. And so now I know his normal body temperature, even though as he got older, you know, it was trending up a little bit with inflammation. I know by his temperature when something's off. Okay. Every hospital visit, ER visit right now, the attending, the resident, the nurse, the child life person, I document everything because you just, a lot of times we're there, we're scared, you know, and we'll forget things if someone asks us in the future, whether it's to complete a survey afterwards because you got good care or maybe you didn't get good care. You need to express that. I would say, number one, really to learn as much as you can but and document everything about your child um, and your child's visit and hospitalizations. Know their labs. Know what's normal for them as an individual. And, you know, I know my husband and I talked about it before is, you know, we've had visits where we've had ER doctors would quote statistics to us or perhaps mention the previous sickle cell patient. And, you know, we've said, well, this child, this patient is different. Exactly. Treat him, treat this individual and not based upon others' statistics or vitals. This is what's normal for him. And so over the years, once I learned more and documented more, I became more confident because I knew more about my patient, my son, um, and knew that what I had to say was a a value to his physician to make sure that he gets the best care. So that's definitely learn as much as you can, ask questions and document, document, document. I love it. I love it. Cass is going to make fun of me again. Well, I, I know you can't see me, but I'm smiling because you said something. Go ahead, Stephen. I, I know you want to talk about Brenda, it. Brenda, you're giving me so much joy, and it's refreshing to hear these things. Um, I have a thing that I say. is a quote of mine. I always say, treat the person and the patient, right? Every person is different. I get it. You know, healthcare, we want to use data and statistics to help drive care. But I love that, you know, as a parent, you're able to remind these people that this kid is different. This situation is different and treat them um, like a person instead of just thinking about them as a, a different number of statistics. So that's great that you shared that. Um, I want to ask you the second part of this question because I think this is so valuable. You know, you talked about you guys' journey, parents who didn't know about their trait status and then finding out and building such a great organization and doing all of these different things. What would you tell new parents that are learning about, you know, your child who has civil cell disease, whether they knew they had trait or that or not? What would you tell new parents learning about your new child with sickle cell disease? Oh, wow. Um, don't be so fearful of the information. Don't be intimidated by their diagnosis. Um, you, and things that, like I learned, you, be empowered, be encouraged to advocate for your warrior. Um, 
ask questions, talk to your specialist, talk, reach out to your local sickle cell organization to get support, reach out. And this was something that was missing early on that we didn't experience, but we're encouraging families, especially families of new or newly diagnosed warriors to reach out to other families. You know, sometimes it'll be good to be able to pick up a phone and say, you know, my son is experiencing this. What do you think about that? And be okay with talking with each other because we as caregivers, we need support as well because it's a lot. We all want our babies to be quote unquote normal, healthy, Mm -hmm. but well, they have an illness and a serious chronic illness. We can manage it. And we have to know that with understanding and knowledge, we can manage it, help them manage it. But that's a lot to carry on you emotionally as a parent. That's a lot of weight. So it's okay to talk to other parents. It's okay to share. And sometimes, you know, even though like we have parents and I know my parents love me, love us. And I have sisters, they love us and great. But sometimes it's some things that they, they don't understand because they, don't live it. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, I value being able to talk to speaking with other people who can understand and even other adult warriors I've spoken with. So I can understand as a mom that has hemoglobin C, I can understand what Braden's feeling or what they think he feels when he's having sickle cell pain. That helps me. I think that helps me to be able to, to just be able to help him more when I can kind of understand what he's going through. So just be open to learning, talk to other people, share. You have been given a great responsibility because God thanks you, know that you can handle it. And we're responsible for raising these amazing children into amazing adults that will inspire so many. So those are my words of encouragement. I love love that. I love that. I think, um, so, you know, one thing that you kept saying is at the beginning, you talked about um, them not being fearful of the information, right? Because in the beginning, it can seem like a lot. Yeah. But, you know, to your point, it's, it's such a big responsibility. But to me, it's also an opportunity. And one thing that you said is, you know, um, raising these children to be amazing adults that will serve as inspiration, which Braden is already doing. So I guess the last part of this, my question I know I'm loading up the questions here is, you know, for me, I'm a big advocate for sickle cell trait. And we've talked about that too here. So what advice would you give to people who simply don't know their sickle cell trait status, you know, whether you're black, um, white, Asian, whatever that might be, what advice would you have for them? Go get tested. And guess what? The testing is free. If there's a, a local sickle cell organization in your area, in your community. Um, They have grants to where they can actually do and conduct um, genetic testing and counseling. I just sent someone to um, our local CBO here in Columbia to get counseling because they found out they did have the trait. But even if you don't have a local sickle cell organization, talk to your physician. Um, or maybe your local health department, or they can reach out to us and we'll help either Sickle Cell 101 or the Be Strong group, and we'll help you find someone somewhere where you can get tested, but you should get tested and you should know your status. It's so important, especially if you want to have children. 
and, yeah. and we want to bring children into this world in the best situation as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's good if you know beforehand. Yeah, I always say informed decision making is a big factor. And, and you, you said, you know, just just go get tested. It's, it's you know, you can get it for free based on where you're located, but it's so important. And you said, you know, also reach out, right? Reach out is such a big deal. They can reach out to you or they can reach out to us. But speaking of reach out, I've heard a lot about your inspiring journey. I've heard a lot about, you know, what the Be Strong group is doing. How do people find out? Tell the listeners how they can find more about your work, your website, your social media handle, and all of that, uh, you know, the good, important stuff. Oh, absolutely. They can reach out on our website is the B, the letter B, thebstronggroup.org. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook, we are the Be Strong Warriors. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are the Be Strong Group. So we're we're on all the social media platforms. And just reach out, follow us, like us, and we'll share. We continue to share information. Brenda, I wanted to ask you earlier, how did you guys come up with the name Be Strong? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so the Be... I'm telling you, when I look at Brayden, he is amazingly strong. Y'all, he doesn't even, you know how sometimes when we may feel bad and or we'll get the flu or something and then we, we're mad because we had it, you know, I hate I, I'm sick or I hate I have to go to the hospital. He's never like that. Mm-hmm. He never holds grudges to sickle cell. Once he's better, he's better and he's moving on. And we really have to... I admire that about him. He he motivates me and keeps me from complaining. So the the B strong group, there's the letter B in strong. It's is Braden strong or you can be strong, mm-hmm. just like Braden. So that's how, you know, whenever I thought of him, I just think of strength and resilience. So that was an automatic. I love what you just said there, that he doesn't hold a grudge against sickle cell. That's hard to do because sickle cell is such a hater. So he absolutely is, you know, well fitted of uh, the characteristic of being strong. And that, you know, that's very admirable because I, I definitely hold grudges sometimes. (laughs) He stays that way, but I, I yeah, always yeah. him on that and, you know, tell him how, how proud of I am of him, yeah. you know? So yeah, that's something that I admire. And um, actually Patrick wanted to mention something real quick about our logo. Go sure. for it, Patrick. <laughs> oh, I was just try- trying to say um, our logo actually ties in with our, our name, the Be Strong Group. Because if, if you notice, the, in front of our logo is actually a picture of Braden when we were on um, vacation in Myrtle Beach. And he was just on the beach and he was feeling so good. He just was he just jumped in the air with his feet up and his hands spread it. So our logo is a picture of Braden in front of a sickle cell. I see that their logo is fantastic. It looks like he's just so joyous and conquering the world there. You guys have to check it out. (laughs) Patrick took that picture and as soon as he shared that picture with me, we were on vacation 
And it brought me so much joy. And yeah, I'm a mushy mama, so I cried too. And I shared it and I made a meme out of it. And it just is perfect for our logo. I love it. It's it's a really great logo. If you guys want to see it, visit uh, org. Great, great logo. And you'll get to learn more about the Be Strong group. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys didn't catch that, uh, you can also find the group on Facebook and Twitter. I think Facebook is the Be Strong Warriors and then Twitter is the Be Strong group. Correct, Brenda? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So don't forget to check them out. I mean, for me, I've I've kind of done my own digging over there. So I mean, (laughs) I'm already inspired. And not not only do I get to speak to Braden about football, but I also get to learn from him. (laughs) and hear his inspiring story. But thank you all for coming on and, and, and sharing your story. Um, in closing, I want to remind everybody, you know, if you have any questions or you want to have your story heard, just email podcast at sc101.org. Of course, remember to rate and review the podcast. That's a great way people can also find podcasts and give us that five stars. Uh, that would be great as well. And don't don't forget to share it, especially this story. You want to share it. Let everybody hear this amazing and inspiring story because you never know who you might change their life or make a difference, whether it's somebody hearing fresh time about the importance of blood donation or sickle cell trade testing or just hearing about Braden and his family and their inspiring story. So remember to share this podcast. Um, if you haven't followed us on social media already, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go, just type in Sickle Cell 101 and you can follow us on all platforms. My disclaimer, I can never leave without my disclaimer. No. I always like to remind people, every person is different. I, I, I mean, even Brenda even said it earlier, right? Braden is different. When you're treating him, treat him just like him, Braden. So remember everything on here is really for educational purposes only and always seek that medical advice from your primary care provider or hematologist or your care team whenever they need allowed. So... I'm in closing. I want to say thank you all. And I'm going to leave one last word here. Um, Brenda or Patrick, if you guys have any one last closing words for our audience. Just advocate for your warrior. Just spread awareness. If you don't even have a warrior in your life, just share this podcast, share whatever information you have and just be supportive. Thank you so much to the Be Strong group for being with us today. Your story is inspirational and I hope our 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 paths cross at some point and I get to meet Brayden in person and you all as well. So thank you, thank you for your inspiring words. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.